Hello everyone and welcome to episode 60 of 10 Minute Country with me, James Dakin. Today we're going to be looking at the bloody coronavirus. Yeah, hello everyone and welcome to episode 60. Uh, we're on a, a depressing run, aren't we? We've had the cancellation of C2C and then this one, we're going to look at the music industry in general, we're going to look at what's next for C2C going to look at maybe trying to find some silver linings for artists and musicians and songwriters in this uh, coronavirus-influenced period, Um, and maybe see how it's already affecting the music industry in general. Let's start with C2C. It's a a tricky one, isn't it? The the ticket sales were good this year, and, and now C2C are faced with the big dilemma of what to do next. So they're sitting on everybody's money. The official statement said that, um, mentioned the word postponement, but I can't see any way how they can get that same bill together at any other weekend in, in the year. You know, there's so many moving parts. So next year's 2021 festival will already be booked out. 2022 will be in the O2's diary and calendar, 2023 potentially as well. It's the C2C weekend every year. I don't think the O2 could cope with this festival being on at any other weekend. So I can't see how C2C will reschedule the festival. So let's go ahead and assume that it will be cancelled. And then we've got the thorny question of how does C2C sell early bird tickets for next year's festival before they've given the money back for this year's festival? So there are a number of things that could happen. Number one, they could offer, you know, this year's early bird three-day weekend people um, just to roll the tickets over to next year. So one solution would be that if you bought a three-day early bird ticket this year, then you're sitting on the exact same seat for next year, maybe. It's trickier with people who have bought... And you can do that with weekend tickets across the board, I suppose. It's trickier for people who bought single-day tickets because I don't think they can turn around and say, well, look, you can have the exact same seat for the exact same day next year. Because the reason people have bought single-day tickets in the first place was they wait, until, they wait and see until the bill is released. And then they target particular days based on what particular artist they want to see. So um, if, you, if you had a ticket for Sunday this year because you're the world's biggest Luke Combs fan and C2C turn around and say, well, look, you can keep your ticket for Sunday next year, I can't see many people going, oh, Brill, thank you very much. Um, because, you know, you don't know who's on. And if you've bought a single-day ticket, presumably it's because some of the acts on the other days weren't to your taste. There could be financial constraints on on what you can do. Um, so I wouldn't like to be in C2C's position waking up on this Monday morning because I reckon if there's no announcement... By Wednesday and Thursday this week, people are going to start getting restless about what to do with the money. So, you know, it's expensive. I I bought four tickets for Eric Church's Friday show at a cost of 600 quid. Well, 
that 600 quid was, uh, you know, that's a lot of money. So we've got to, you know, it's, it's thorny for C2C. And I don't envy them in any single percentage or way at all. Because, you know, this is unprecedented. And they're going to annoy people one way or the other. Because people are always annoyed these days. And, you know, you can please a certain group of people and then annoy another group of people. And, you know, this, it's just untenable, really. And um, I don't, uh, I don't know what the best way forward is. Well, I do, because let's be honest, the best way forward is just a blanket refund. But if a blanket refund of 2020 tickets and, that you know, all the money going back to all the consumers... I don't know what what effect that will have on C2C's ability to put on a festival next year. Because obviously, they've spent a shed load of money so far. And we, we don't know, and we will never know, you know the finances behind this festival. We don't know whether Luke Combs going home before a travel ban and, and sort of government restrictions were announced invalidates his contract with C2C and therefore they don't have to pay him or he has to pay back what they've earned. We don't know whether Old Dominion pulling out a week before the show invalidates. We don't know what the contracts are. We don't know what the financial situation is. I don't even think it's worth speculating uh, because we're just, we're just fans and consumers and, and commentators. We're not lawyers and accountants. So we can't say what the finances are. My only worry is that the only tr- clear path that C2C have got in this f- to keep people's goodwill and um, to retain trust is to offer a blanket refund and give all the money back. Um, and if, But if that is the case and it compromises the future of the festival... You know, it's um, that's not a great thing. So I honestly don't know. I did notice over the weekend that there's a festival in Northamptonshire that uh, have cancelled and are refusing to give the money back, claiming force majeure on their T's and C's. Um, uh, my wife, who is uh, a senior partner in a law firm, just laughed at that and went, they have not got a leg to stand on. So we don't want lawsuits flying around. We don't want you know, lack of, you know, trust broken, we don't want, but conversely, we don't want the festival to, you know, disappear off into the annals of history and and be something we look back on in a few years' time and go, oh, wasn't that great? So, who the hell knows? The coronavirus is is decimating the music industry, um, full stop, from venues to artists to backing, you know, musicians, to songwriters, the merch. You know, obviously, a lot of the people we like, the Luke Holmeses and the uh, Eric Churches and the Keith Urbans, can afford to take a hit. But there's a lot of musicians out there that can't. And there's quite a lot of concern about the music industry in general, about what this next period of restrictions and isolation could mean. Obviously, in these days of streaming, the, the, the revenue sources for musicians and for songwriters are not necessarily in the same place where they were in the 70s and 80s and 90s. So, 
you know, it's it's a it's an oft thrown around um, truth that people used to make music to make money. You know, I I would go to gigs in the eighties where I've paid eight pounds for a ticket. I've got I've got ticket stubs from nineteen eighty six, nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty eight where I've paid eight pounds, nine pounds, eleven pounds to go and see a gig. Because people made money people made music for the love of the music and the albums sold and then they toured almost as a way to promote the album. It's the complete other way around now. So, you know, people make albums now to get back out on the road because the music is now in the live environment and the merchandise and the VIP meet and greets and all that sort of thing. You know, streaming has decimated artists' ability to make music through them, make money through their music. There's a really fascinating article online over the weekend on vulture.com and the journalists asked a number of you know, smaller musicians and uh, people from bands that are trying to break through into the industry about how the coronavirus would affect them. And there's some really interesting thoughts. Frazy Ford was interviewed, who is somebody that, you know, that sort of works within the fringes of Americana and alt country. Um, she's a Canadian artist. And um, she said, uh, you know, a few nights ago, I texted my manager and said, I think we should cancel the Seattle show. And then the whole tour was cancelled. We're trying to figure out the complexity of what we're going to do with the ticket holders. Are we rescheduling? Are we refunding people? That, you know, if artists themselves don't really know what to do, there's no pathway through, isn't it? Um, And she says that the US tour isn't a huge financial loss to us, but we have a big tour in Europe scheduled for May. And that will be a big loss, especially to my band members who rely heavily on touring. Times are so tenuous, um, and, it, you know, it, we're losing that right now. It's culturally devastating as well. It's strange to think of everyone I know not touring. I don't mind the idea of slowing down and creatively refocusing myself, but I'm very aware that this is not good for my career. If the climate is that artists can't tour at all, then this whole thing where we're giving away our music free to streaming sites might not work. And I wonder whether this is going to happen. I wonder whether the the coronavirus will cause a paradigm shift in the music industry because artists are going to have to try and make money in different ways. Live streaming is something that is a possibility. So, you know, when you look at the article on vulture.com, all those mid to lower level artists are looking at how they can maybe live stream shows Vulture interviews Jake McMullen of Louis Prince, a Nashville band. Uh, you know, and he says, I'm trying to figure out how to get creative online. We're talking about live streaming shows. If we can figure out a way to do it properly, you hope people will focus their attention on buying records or merchandise. And, um, and this is the way forward, I think, for now. Um, Mia Berrin of Pom Pom Squad, who are a New York band that Vulture uh, interviewed, she says, I'm thinking about how bands are going to take over the digital space and how live music will translate to live streaming. The internet is so vast. Um, and my concern is how people who are developing their careers are going to, su- going to survive. Um, and this is 
this is this head scratching thing that the music industry is staring at at the moment. How are musicians going to make money this year by being creative online? And I wonder whether live streaming events would be a thing. I wonder whether they're going to have to start putting things behind paywalls again. Um, you know, I mean, I certainly would pay a lot of the musicians that I like if they went, right, because I've been at home for the last two months, I've made a new EP, I've made a new album. Here are seven songs I've written this year. I'm not going to put them on Spotify. Uh, you can only buy them physically or download them from this particular site. And I'm sure the fans of those bands would pay for that. Can, can we start looking at living room concerts that are streamed online? Can we start looking at collaborations where three or four artists get together, hire a room, you know, put something behind a paywall um, and play three or four songs each? Could the artists develop other strategies of getting out to people? Depends on what the gatherings restrictions are. If there's Gathering, if we, if we go down the line of less than 500 people, I, mean, I know Austria have banned gatherings of five people or more right now, which is crazy, isn't it? Because that's just unenforceable. But let's say the Brits um, bring in, let's say good old Boris brings in a, ga a gathering ban of 500 people or more. There's, there's still some capability there for shows. I'm very interested in the idea of trying to talk to artists um, and, and stream live interviews or film an interview and, and put it out there or film an artist playing two or three acoustic songs and try and get it out there to people who might be willing to pay a little bit of money for. Um, these are the things that we're looking at in our Destination Country Collective at the moment. Um, so if there are any artists out there that are interested in trying to talk to some very enthusiastic writers and podcasters and commentators in the UK, you know, you can find us at destination-country.com or lyricmagazine.co.uk um, and, and we would love to get involved with trying to help musicians and songwriters, um, you know, still keep the revenue streams coming in somehow this year you know it's crap there's no way around this it's a shit show it's just awful for people working in the music industry what's going to happen in the next six months or so and you know if there's any way that our destination country um umbrella collective can help out please get in touch with us uh, and we'll do everything we can to see if we can keep the connection and the links going between the fans and the artists. I don't envy the decisions that the C2C Festival have got to make. And then, you know, you, you look ahead in England particularly. Uh, I've got my eye on the CMA Fest in Nashville in June because I was going for the first time this year. I've got my tickets, got my plane flights, and I'm like, oh... Is June just long enough away for us to have come out of the other side? Or is are we still going to be right in the middle of it? Who knows? And I'm looking at, you know, Buckle and Boots. I'm looking at Dixie Fields, Black Deer. 
Uh, and even up to the long road, I mean, you know, the long road festival should be making their announcement and putting some tickets on sale in the next two or three weeks. And yet, how awkward is that? How do you do that in a climate when there are ba- there's a ban on public gatherings? The, 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 again, and then there's no right or wrong way to do it. I could see a voice going, long roads, not till September. Let's get it on sale. Let's get some enthusiasm going. People are going to buy tickets because they're stuck at home and fed up. It'll be fine by September. And then I can see other people going, oh, you don't want to put tickets on sale right at a time when everybody has pulled their heads back into their turtle shells and, uh, and are hunkering down under some sort of uh, 1984-esque martial law-driven um, society. So I just don't know. I, it, you know, all bets are off. Who knows what the right or wrong path through this whole thing is but what is key is that people in the industry come together so from us the you know the interviewers and the writers and the podcasters through to the fans through to the musicians through to the songwriters let's we should all try and work together to keep revenue streams going whether that's buying merchandise whether that's trying to set up live streaming or live interviews or recorded interviews or three set acoustic performances three songs acoustic performances there must be a creative way that we can keep music alive and keep making money for the people that make the music that we love if anyone has got any ideas uh, you know or would like to get involved please email me at james at lyricmagazine.co.uk and we will work hard at Lyric and at Destination Country in trying to set some things up over the next few months. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I've been James Dakin and this has been 18 Minute Country.